We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening. Welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Uh, and a big thanks to newworkwear.com who got us me caught in time. I am uh, working away this week. And uh, as a result of that, all the shows are pre-recorded. So uh, Monday night, Fans Forum, pre-recorded. Tuesday night, uh, I've got a Champions League show with Melly where we look ahead uh, to the Carabao Cup. Of course, him being a Man United fan. And we look back at the, uh, the the Champions League games last week and look ahead to the Champions League games the week after. Um, Wednesday night, those were the days, season 91-92. Thursday night, Supermac and Gibbo. Friday night, one-hour show of the Amigos. Uh, but as I say, they're all pre-recorded. With me working away, I can't do any lives this week. Saturday will be those were the days again. That will be George, season 92-93. And then hopefully, all being well with YouTube, uh, because we've now had to pre-record this, um, we'll be live next Sunday with the professionals uh, looking back hopefully on a wonderful win against Arsenal with a scratch team. Uh, anyway, under yesterday's result, Newcastle went to Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, down to Molyneux, drew 2-2, a point from Wolves, same same result as we had last season, a, a point from there, another draw. Um, but I felt like it was uh, a point earned rather than two points lost. Um, looking at the game in balance, I felt Wolves probably could have pushed on to win if a star man hadn't had to withdraw from play. Then I thought Newcastle probably could have nicked it. But uh, all in all, I was happy with it. It was a good game. It was an entertaining game. And uh, I couldn't complain by getting a point. What was your team, Stu? I think Mitch said it last week regarding win your home games, draw your away games, and you're going to finish the season in a high position. And we got a 2-2 draw for the second away game. The last time someone played at Wolves Stadium in the league was Man City. They got beat, so you can look at that as a positive. To me, the negative was that we led twice and then conceded. And stupidly, we have people now always looking for a scapegoat, and it's Nick Pope's turn, saying he should have caught that ball, he should have, you know, instead of punching it. But for the way I see it, it's their first goal. The keeper tried to catch it instead of punching it, and that's how we scored. Uh, and the fact that Pope's obviously looked at that and thought, right, I'll punch it. Maybe he could have got it further. But one thing's for certain, we should have defended it better. 
once once he got it out, we should have defended better. We sat back and and let them get back in. However, we've all played football, Steve. You play on pitches like that in two games in a few days, it takes it out of your legs. So I think the the lads tried as hard as they could. Um, we're not going to win every game that we play, and if we're not going to win, we've got to dig in and give the effort, and they certainly did that. So I think all in all, it's it's a positive. I think Shaw's playing the best football of his career, and Bruno's proven that form is temporary, class is permanent because he's starting to want the ball now, dictate the ball, uh, dictate the play. Sorry, pass the ball around, and. I think for now we need to get off Nick Pope's back because against Dortmund, if it wasn't for him, we would have been 3-0 down by half-time comfortably. Uh, he, he made at least four good saves that kept us in the game. So we could have the, oh, we only got beat 1-0. It was a narrow defeat. We hit the ball. We did this. He kept us in the game uh, for a lot a lot of that period uh, against Dortmund. So the lad is one of the best keepers we've ever had at Newcastle United. And... Unlike the people who criticise him, he's not perfect. And he will make the odd mistake. It's just with a goalkeeper, it gets highlighted more. And I think we should give him a bit more support because he's the best we've got. OK, Mitch, what was your take on the game yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've <clears throat> calmed down a little bit with into, into a little bit of perspective overnight. Uh, I think initially post-match, I was frustrated because you feel like you're giving points away. But... As Stuart rightly says, you, you win your home games, draw your away games, you'll do quite well. Um, also, you know, as a fan base, we do seem to love a scapegoat, don't we? Somebody's got to have the finger pointed at them when things don't go quite so well. Um, and and it's Nick, Tur Nick Pope's turn. And I think Stu's point about the, the conditions and deciding do you catch a punch, I think is quite correct. Um, I have no problem with the decision to punch, and I don't think it was a bad punch either. Um, we, we certainly had an opportunity to defend that better as a team, and I think that's that's the way you look at it. You concede as a team, and you score as a team. Um, so you know, it wasn't like a, a blunder from Nick, who uh, um, you know, it's, it's not like he's dropped the ball over the line or done something Pickford-esque. It's you know it's it's not as simple as that, um, and I think two games in in hard conditions with the injuries we've got, um, I, I think at the end of the day we can be happy with a point in the cold light of day, and when you when you take everything into account. Um, but I also understand why you know we're given points away from a winning position, um, which is something we don't do very often. Um, but there's the key. We don't do that very often these days. Time was we used to be talking about turning losses into win into draws, and then it became turning draws into wins. And now we're disappointed with a draw. Um, so I think uh, all in all, appointed Molyneux. It's something we regularly come away with from Molyneux. Um, we've got a history of draws there, and certainly I would have taken that before again. Yeah, I, I certainly would as well. Um... Man of the match, um, probably for me, was was Bruno. I thought he was outstanding. I thought Dan Byrne had a pretty good game as well, um, if, if, if the truth be told. Um, and ultimately, uh, Anthony Gordon, you know, has got high levels this season. I, I still think he put in a, a hell of a work shift when you think about the games 
you know, that they're, they're having to play now three games a week. So, Stu, was there a standout player for you or was it difficult to pick one? No, sure, for me, was was Hedden Schull. Schull is above everyone else. I, I think he really is. He's revelling in the, this role of being the centre-half linchpin. He's playing on the left side rather than the right. He's getting the ball. He's As we've known for ages, he's comfortable on it. And I, and I honestly think he's playing the best football I've seen him play for Newcastle. He's running out with the ball. He's passing it. Um, he's, he's so, I think he goes under the radar. Some of his passes is exceptional. Uh, and he, he's got great vision. And it, what he does, he, he buys the uh, forwards time. If he comes out and he can knock it 10, 15 yards running with the ball, it gives them time to get in position and he can see a pass. Uh, and I think he's, he's very, very composed. And he knows how to fall over in the penalty box to win us penalties as well. But no one wants to mention that. They'll just want to mention it was Nick Pope's fault. So for me, the top three yesterday were Shaw and then Bruno, which is great. I think I touched on it before that. Forbes temporary class is permanent and he's come back his best. He's wanting to dictate the game now. And, and I'm sure, Mitch, you said it as well, that with him being on the yellow card, he's more focused. He's, you know, he's concentrating on his game and he's he's controlling his temperament a bit because he knows that he's one book away from suspension and he knows his role in the team is pivotal. Uh, and I think that allows him to focus better. And, you know, I thought Pope didn't have a bad game at all yesterday. Um, Trippier was probably the the one for me that stood out is the one who was substandard. I don't think he's he's played game any game worse than that for Newcastle United, but he's got so much credit in the bank, and he's not Superman, he's not superhuman, you know. And what he never did was hide. He still kept the man in the ball, and he still wanted it, and he still kept pushing people and not physically pushing people, but encouraging and. You're going to think there's probably five or six people below standard of what we know they're capable of. Gordon was one of them. He'd run around, but he didn't. He flattered to deceive a lot. Joe Linton still worked his way back into fitness, full fitness. So I think if you take everything into consideration, I think a 2-2 draw away to a team that's on a good vein of form is acceptable for me. Was there a man of the match for you yesterday, Mitch? Um... I, I think we, what Stu says about Bruno is right. I think he stepped up a little bit yesterday and showed a bit of maturity and and showed a bit of class. Um, Shea seems to be week in, week out in the running for man of the match for me. He's, 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 he's on that on top of his game so much. Um, and the effort that Gordon puts in every time he crosses that white line is, is phenomenal. Um and I, and I think, uh, the, the, you know, there's the, you've got to also say Callum Wilson took his first goal. I thought that was an intelligent finish to have the awareness to finish the way he did. Um, took the penalty calmly. <clears throat> um, and, and so, again, uh, possibly didn't put as much legwork in, but we don't need him to because I can't see him putting five performances of high energy and on the on the bounce um, and coming through unscathed. We'll have to protect them a little bit where we can. But uh, Bruno for me, because I think he, he showed some maturity and, and awareness of his own situation and that the team needed him to step up a little bit. I think the team needed a boost from midfield. Um, and I think everybody's well aware of the injury list. Everybody's well aware of the Tanami situation. 
Uh, and so it's time like those where, where the real quality players should stand up and be counted. And I think Bruno was yesterday. Yeah, Bruno was excellent. And, um, you know, he's starting to find his feet, I think. And, um, yeah, perfect time for him to stand up. And I think the best thing about it was he didn't get booked, Stu, because uh, I think we were all hoping that he wasn't going to get booked and, and of course, miss the Arsenal game. Um, that, 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 would have been a, that would have been a shame if, he, if he'd done that. But I think he's... I think he's starting to. Uh, I think he's starting to come into his best form, Bruno, and I think that's going to be crucial moving, you know, moving through the the season. We heard from um, Eddie Howe after the match as well, and he was talking about Isaac. Looks like he'll be missing for the um, the Arsenal game and the Dortmund game, uh, but potentially could be back for the for the Bournemouth game, which which you know will give us a boost. I definitely will. Uh, do you know what? I've, there's a few things that have annoyed us this week here yeah, regarding. Newcastle, and this is one of them. We're going to get injuries. Every club has them. And it's the press that are doing the morning on our behalf. The, Eddie Howe is in his press conferences. He's, he's accepting it. And we've had some really bad luck. The, the thing with Tenali was unforeseen. Uh, the long-term injury at the Barnes was unforeseen. Yes, you can say Isaac, who didn't really have a bad injury in his career until he came to us. And, and then Wilson, as we know, you'd be reluctant to play him two games a week. But apart from that, to me, it's the psychological rhetoric from the, the press. And I've got some numbers to throw out. And there's a common number that comes up, that comes about, and it's not three. So the, the what three words can wait till later on in another mini run. So what the press are saying, Steve, is Newcastle can't handle two games a week. Let me give you some facts. This season's two and a half months old. We've played two games more than we would have had we not been in Europe. Just two. Because we would have played an extra League Cup game, but we've played three in the Champions League. So two extra games in two and a half months. I think that's not really demanding. But they keep saying Newcastle and Newcastle. Aston Villa have played more than us. And Brighton have played the same. You know, so they just like to keep pushing Newcastle and they're trying this psychological warfare to get into the player's head but it's certainly getting into the fans head and now people start believing it and if someone it's the flip side of the Rude Hullet thing with Alan Shearer I kept telling him he was bad Bobby Robson comes in and tells him he's the best player on the planet and he's going to build a team around him and he scores five in his first game uh, for Bobby Robson when they beat Sheffield Wednesday you, know, you can't but if you keep telling someone that they're going to be tired they'll start feeling tired uh, and that's that starts to look so Two extra games in two and a half months. The second thing was the, that the press keeps saying we're struggling to match the giddy heights of last season. I think we've all heard that. You know, it, it's harder this time round. Well, I think we've had a harder, harder start, a far tougher start fixture-wise than last season. If you take into account the European games, we are playing top opposition. And after 10 games in the league last season, we had 15 points. Today, after 10 games, we've got 17 points. That's two points better off. But don't let the, a good story spoil the truth there. Eh? So the other thing is, if we keep mentioning the word two, we're unbeaten since the 2nd of September. So by the time we play Arsenal, that's two months unbeaten in the league. But we're a team that can't go up. We're a team that's under pressure. We're a team that's struggling. It's just rubbish. Um, even if we get beat off Manchester United because we'll play a weakened team, We'll go. We'll give Arsenal a hell of a game, and I'm sure Arsenal will be full strength against us. And they have European games next week as well, just the same as us. They will not want to be caught to St James as a full house. 
and it will be under the lights because it's an evening kickoff. They won't be wanting that just before because they've lost in Europe as well. So, but they won't mention that. There'll be all pressure on Newcastle. Don't give it to them. We're doing better than we've ever thought we could have done. Even last season, when we were pushing to get the Champions League, we're in it. These players are desperate to be playing in it, so it's a joy for them. Don't let the press put you off and start thinking that the players are tired because the players are still believing it. We are Newcastle United and we are climbing and we're, in, we're living in people's heads rent free and we're climbing that table and we're only going to get better and better. So I, I think what we need to do is get behind the team instead of cry, trying to chastise individuals. So that's just one little rant for now. I've got another two to come. What did you make of that rant and Mitch? Did you agree with it? Oh, hi, and I'll, I'll add to it a little bit if we want to talk about media narratives and the stuff we had to suffer in the commentary on this side of the world from BN yesterday, Jim. where Jim Beglin is co-commentator, who obviously despises us. It's getting, it's getting more and more obvious every time he comments on us, how desperate he is for our opposition to score, how desperate he is for us to make a mistake, how desperately he wants to put one down every chance he gets. And then we had the commentator making some comment about uh, the unnecessary uh, way we've changed our shirts, especially with those colours was the phrase I think you used. And you think, really? You want to keep that narrative running, do you? Is there, what's the point? What's the absolute point? Tell them there's something we don't know. We're part owned by PIF. Big deal. We've got green and white shirts. Well, crack on. We did last season too. We will, I'm quite sure, for many seasons to come. Even if because everybody else is dealing with it. There's, there's this narrative that wants to come from certain areas of the media that'll keep playing the same old tune and rattling the same old cages. Um, and it's getting tiresome now. Talk about something, you know, that's worth talking about, that's newsworthy. Um, and that's off of official Premier League feed, by the way, in terms of the commentator and co-commentator. And we get that week in, week out. Um, and it's just rubbish. Yeah, it is. No, no doubt about it. I mean, there is a media narrative. We, we were stuck with Don Goodman in this, uh, this part of the world. And uh, Don Goodman, of course, a former Sunderland player who just doesn't seem to want in Newcastle to do well. He tries his, he tries his best to be non-biased, but goes completely the other way. It's just, it, it, it is embarrassing. It really is. Beglin's the same. He has this facade that he has up for the first 15 minutes and then it slips. <laughs> he can't help himself, can he? He really can't. Nah. Come on, the two. What's your second rant? Well, I, I, I was. This was after the Dortmund game when you seen all the videos of the. This does couple of three, what words, whatever it's called, the mindless, idiotic tosspots that started throwing the hands at Dortmund fans. Dortmund fans have got reputation for being some of the best in Europe, the most welcoming, and everything else. And you know what? They need a good hiding, or they need to get some jail. The police are there, they should be arresting these people. And it's to me, it, it tarnishes and it puts a stain on the very good reputation Newcastle fans have tried, uh, have earned, I suppose, over the last few decades, home and away and, in, and abroad. And you get some idiots who probably aren't even good at the match, just want to start punching people. It's stupid. And they don't think, they don't think of the potential repercussions when Newcastle travel to these places because. Social media, you get to see everything now, don't you? 
So there'll be some German knackers over there thinking, oh, well, it's all right to go punching. And that could be someone's son, someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's brother, who's innocent and ends up getting getting punched, or even worse, because someone can't handle the drink. If you want to have a fight, have a fight, but don't go and have a fight with people who aren't even looking for it. And, and don't do it under the banner of Newcastle United. It really, really does annoy us. You know, we're better than that, or we should be better than that. We should be welcoming these fans to our city, like every other fan. If you talk to Mitch and myself, both live abroad, as you know, Steve, you travel a lot around the country. Everywhere you go, you have people who have got wonderful stories about their visits in Newcastle and how welcome they were. Why should we? Why should some a couple of idiots spoil that? So hopefully, it is a couple of idiots or mindless idiotic tosspots for the what three words. And it, it doesn't start gathering pace. We've got Milan coming uh, at the start of December, or is it, end of, sorry, in middle of November. And then is that going to be an excuse because of what's happened with Tenoli? Oh, let's throw some bands at some uh, Italian. It's it's crazy. We're there to support Newcastle United and we should be doing the club proud and we should be doing the city proud and really should have a bit more respect for each other's fans as well because both of us are going to Dortmund, as you know, next week. We could just be minding our own business and someone decides to crash a bar stool off with it because his son or his nephew got punched in Newcastle. You know, and it, it gets worse. It, it, things like that really, really does boil me urine. And it, it shouldn't be like that. Not now. Not now. The, the times have changed so much since we were younger. Thoughts on that then, Mitch? Stu's leading, Stu's leading the way with his uh, rants no. tonight. And it's, and it, it, the, yeah, the third one. <laughs> the point, um, point I would follow up with is during our last <clears throat> trips into Europe in the 90s, the memory of European football of English fans coming to town was still rooted in the 70s and 80s. The English disease and all that. And as a fan base, we had a reputation of going away in Europe and making friends mm -hmm. and being welcomed into cities and being welcomed into places and uh, the, the total opposite of what a lot of these um, fans and, and teams had of English supporters coming to town. Even going to Marseille, which can be a messy place at the best of times, there wasn't half as much hassle as what other teams had in Marseille that, that year. And the reason was us. We were a credit to the city. <clears throat> we were a credit to the club. And we were a credit to the country. There really wasn't, you know, a, a fraction of the issues that some of the other teams travelling away in Europe used to have. And I'd like to see that fostered and brought further this European campaign, whereby when teams get drawn against Newcastle in future Champions Leagues, oh, great, we're going there. Oh, they're coming to town and to be welcomed rather than <clears throat> feared as a fan base for what you might do with that city. And I, and I think that's the, the image that the, we need to foster and drive on and behave accordingly. Um, and like I say, make friends, not enemies across Europe, because uh, it makes the football all the better for me as well. Yeah, no, I would agree, lads. I would agree. Um, you know, when we go abroad as well, we're ambassadors for, for you know for, for the northeast, but we're, we're ambassadors for England as well. So um, 
you lads, I'm sure we'll fly the black and white flag uh, next week. Okay, um, round three then, Stu, before we go to the ads. Oh, right. It's, this was about all the bad publicity or the morning I was reading about the atmosphere against Dortmund and how it was didn't compare to Paris Saint-Germain, etc. And then it started to manifest, manifest itself into it's because people who don't support Newcastle were there, proper fans weren't there. And you hear stories of so-and-so's travelled from there or this person didn't even know where the Gallagher was. You know, this is the price on the tickets the, of success. This is what helps our club grow. But if we're being realistic, let's say at a maximum, and a stress maximum, 1,000 of these fans, 1,000 of these fans were in the ground. Should that really affect the atmosphere? What we should be doing on the theme of welcoming people, it's, oh, is this your first game? You're going to get the bug. You've got it for life now, my friend. Right, come on, sing song, sing song. The atmosphere is always better at weird games. The, this facade of how Newcastle's brilliant home atmosphere, it's not, it's, it's, it's flat more times than it, it's bouncing. Uh, and that's away games as it used to be. And this is where the run starts coming. You go on, uh, you end up going on trips with your pals, you have a few beers, you become more confident, I suppose, and you, you go and sing your head off, you let your stress of the week out and stuff like that. Um, but now, the way they're doing it with the tickets and stuff like that, you're not sitting next to who you know. You're not standing next to who you know. So you're more reserved. You know, you don't want to offend someone by shouting. But if it can be done against PSG, it can be done against Dortmund, it can be done against Milan, it can be done against Burnley. And it, it, what it needs is a togetherness to see everyone there going. And there's so many things. It wasn't the first European Champions League game for 20 years. It was the second. It was teaming down we're in. People were like drowned rats there. It's very, very hard. The team was flat. So there's so many things that culminated or combined to make that performance. But I always think, and all the time I support Newcastle United, the atmosphere is always better when the odds are stacked against us, when our backs are to the wall, when we're not expected to win. So Paris Saint-Germain come in with arguably the best player on the planet in Mbappe. Right. The bookmakers had them favourite. Can we beat them? Well, let's get behind the lads. And we did. But then all of a sudden, the flip of that is we're expected to be dormant, seasoned professionals who year after year go for the Champions League. And on paper, we are better than them and, and we're capable of beating them. And I wouldn't be surprised if we beat them on their patch. But they just outthought us. But what I get is, and I, I'm, I'm hearing it and seeing it more often, so I'll have to be careful how I, how I say this. You get the new thing is that some people saying, oh, we're class. And then you get other people saying we're effing class. I'll tell you what, Newcastle United will never be, Steve, and that's middle class. And that's what Darren Eels and Peter Silverson have to get in their head. Newcastle United is a working man's club. And all uh, Silverson's done is copy-paste what he did at Arsenal. Well, I'm sorry he's going to have to realise that the North East isn't as affluent or has as much disposable income as what the North of London has. And you're pricing out the ordinary fans. So all this, we bought it for the atmosphere. You're sucking the atmosphere out of the club by pricing the normal people out of it and charging 200 quid a ticket, 400 quid a ticket, etc. I get it. You have to generate more money. But you can't bag on about what a wonderful atmosphere we have when you starve the, the fans who create atmosphere. You're working class man 
from getting inside the ground and women, I suppose, these days. But we're famous for that. The atmosphere is it's becoming it, it will become an urban, urban legend and it'll turn into theatre goers who sit there demanding to be entertained, like yuppies in the eighties, as they were called, wasn't it? The yuppies or the prone sandwich sandwich brigade that's Roy Keane referred to. We are Newcastle United fans who are will work all week to go and enjoy the game. And even if we get beat, we've enjoyed the day because you've seen your pals that you haven't seen through the week. It's a day. But now, what's happening, the price of the ticket and the success that's coming with it, this is creating a bigger social problem and literally taking the food off people's tables because Newcastle is football daft. There's fans there that'll do anything to get to see that game. And that could mean missing out on meals and stuff like that. And to me, this lottery of the ballots is playing with people's mental health. Uh, and I know from the guy sitting along there, what he's been going through just to get a ticket for Dortmund, he's got more than enough points. And it was like waiting every hour. Is it dropping to whatever? He's got nearly 50 points. Of course he should be going. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You'll get there, you'll get there, you'll get there. And it was constantly... It's playing with people's havoc, playing with people's minds. So I think what they need to do is stand up, face the real fans, and stop listening to middle-class people who have now decided to support Newcastle United and saying it's fashionable, and play to what the board wants Newcastle United to be, what the board should be doing, what they did when they first took over, is understand what Newcastle United were, and they always want to praise the fans. We'll give the fans what they want and give more access into the ground at affordable prices. Because the, the cost of the tickets does not generate that much more money for the club. And trust me, they could easily get that back in sponsorship. There's so many revenues or avenues where they can create generate extra revenue for sponsorship. And if they don't know how to do the marketing and the sales side of it, give them my number. Give me a ring, Steve, give them my number, and I'll show them how they can generate more money from this region if they're not capable of doing it. Stop charging more money where people who don't know the songs don't know the people they sit next to. That damages the atmosphere more than anything else that ever could. And what you'll find is lifelong fans walking away at the time. Everyone should be buying this club. So that was the last thing I wanted to get in my mind, just, just to remind people that we are a working-class club. And, and the minute that changes, we become a tourist team like, like what Arsenal are at home, the Highbury Library and, and what the Emirates is like now. Newcastle, give it the atmosphere, but you can't have an atmosphere if you've got people who... Don't go there week in, week out. So there is solutions, and we could talk all day about how to solve it. And I didn't mention the word ticket problems. It's how they're going to and how they're doing it. And it, it's wrong. I know people who've applied for every ballot and haven't got one. And I know certain people who have applied or claim to have applied for every ballot and got one. And it shouldn't be does your face fit. And that's that's what that's the way it's coming across because it's not transparent, uh, and that's the issue. No one knows how this ballot's done. Is it first come, first served, or do they wait till everyone's in and then how do they draw it out? Have they got a big tombola sitting at HQ and spin it around and dip the hand in? Does someone walk around with a big magician's hat and say, right, pick three numbers out here, right? They're the ones that no one knows how it's done, and until there is more transparency, that's what causes the. There, what's becoming now animosity amongst fans, and when you see lifelong fans not wanting to go or can't be bothered to go, it's a dangerous game to play because that gets passed on to their children, and that's the future of Newcastle United.
Mitch, that's a hell of a rant that uh, Stu's mm. gone on. What's your What's your feeling on that one? No, no. Again, we, we, this this is the culmination of a lot of the problems that people want to talk about week in week out. Why people get frustrated with talking about tickets and talking about ticket allocations and talking about how people get tickets, the way they get tickets, where they get the tickets from. But in doing what they're doing, the club have refused to acknowledge in any way, shape or form that where they want to go with this has created problems. Problems, and they, they will claim they're trying to stop one problem, but in trying to do that, they've created four or five other ones. It's also part of the growing pains. We're growing quickly and we want to be global. And the price on the ticket of globalisation is there will always be a degree of, if you want to call it tourists or day trippers or whatever you want to, want to call them. That's, and we should welcome that because it means people want to come and see. It means we're getting where we want to be as a club. And you can't have one without the other. We can't remain parochial and inward looking and not looking beyond the river time um but at the same time i think it needs to be balanced and i think we've lost that balance a little bit you know i've heard all, all in the last couple of weeks some of the, the conversations i've had um has blown my mind about where some of the tickets are ending up and who's using some of the tickets I know someone who was given a corporate ticket recently and ended up sitting next to a lad from Sharjah, which is another one of the Emirates in the UAE, who works for Eddie Salat, who are the, the um, really partner of, of, of Man City, the, the biggest telecommunications company in the UAE. Um, it's like, well, how the hell does he end up with a corporate ticket? Um, what's the path that's taken that to there, you know? When somebody who would be desperate to go is is now on that eighth ballot and they've missed out on all eight, and it, it just doesn't seem right. That it's that kind of imbalance that's causing some of the problems. That's and again because we're a great that the fan base is finding fractures and and pouring water on them to see how wide we can blow them. That's what it starts. It starts some of that. Well, it's them and it's them and it's this one and it's that one. And it's all turning the gun, guns inward again. When to be truly global, we've got to get rid of all of that. However, it has to be done in the right balance. And, and I think it's because it feels unbalanced at the minute. And I'll say this with genuine intention. I think the club are working harder for me as an expat fan than they are for somebody sat at home in Newcastle wanting to get a ticket for the match. And it shouldn't be like that. I think the club supporting me as an expat far more than you guys back in the UK, back at home. Um, and that doesn't feel right. Okay, we're halfway through the show, guys. As always, it is time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 253. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky Sauters, Handmade in Cumbria. You can find out more about them from their website, mrvickys.co.uk or by calling 01768 210 102.
Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to United Group Travel, UK coach holiday firm based in Mortmouth. There's no strangers on there to us, just people you haven't met yet. They're now taking bookings for 2024. You can call 01670-632-460-0791-666-4174 or 07957-141-654 or go to the website unitedgrouptravel.com. Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button underneath the video today. We still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up under the video to like it. It does us a big favour. Click share to share to your other social media and let people know about NUFC Matters. We're also a podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. If you want to help the show financially, you can take out a £25 one-off membership. You get a scarf, a pen, a cup and a membership card. How do you get it? Go to nufcmatters.com. Look for membership. If you've got a smartphone, then put your smartphone over the QR code and it will take you straight to that section on the website. We also support the food bank on this channel. You can donate to the food bank today by going to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. We do support events on this channel as well. If you've got an event, please send it in and we'll promote it. The Time Theatre and Opera House are doing a Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle event, the Class of 84. 25th of January 2024. Book now by calling 08-44-249-1000. And the Tyneside Irish Centre, they're doing an event with Frank Clark and John Gibson on Thursday, December the 7th. You can get tickets from nufcmatters.com and they are priced at £15. There's also some uh, tickets available on Groupon. Don't forget, you can catch me five days a week, Monday to Friday, with Rye, Dave and Daz on the Northeast Footy Brecky Show, 7 till 9. And you can catch us on The Red, The Toon and The Cat and on Toon Radio's website. Watch up us on the day 033-043-2002. The perfect way to start your day. OK, 20 minutes uh, left and uh, NUFC Yoda says, Hi lads, question for the professionals. Is there anyone from the academy that you think might get some game time against Manchester United this week? Alex Murphy looked good in pre-season. There may be an opportunity to give him some minutes and give Cher a rest. I mean, there's going to be changes, isn't there, Stu, in this game? Oh, definitely. And I'm quite surprised Alex Murphy hasn't been involved more. I was really impressed with him for the pre-season, especially the games he played in the States. I thought he looked the part. I don't know there's a big difference between a friendly kick about and stuff like that, but if you're good enough, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And they obviously thought enough of him to take him there, and he didn't do his... Um, well, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Uh, he didn't let himself down, put it that way. No. And, you know, so if you've got someone like that in this game... It'll be a shame if we get beat off Man City. Sorry, off Man United after beating Man City, and you know it's it's the old thing. Or you you beat the best team, so you should win the cup. And there's still some very very good teams in that cup. And I think we'll we'll go weak weaker because people need a rest. Um, but there's some exceptional players. The squad is a lot thicker uh, talent wise than it was this time last year. And 
I, I think we will see Dummett and Lascelles playing at the back. I think we'll see Hall playing. I think we'll see Target playing. I think we'll see Matt Ritchie playing. I think Liramento is going to be playing. I think Willock and uh, Joe Little will be given the opportunity to get back up to full fitness. And they may do what they did against Man City. Start with that sort of team. And then if at half-time they're still in the game, bring on the likes of Bruno and Gordon. Because remember, after 90 minutes, it goes to penalties. And Manchester United are in total disarray at the moment. So they've got a conundrum as well. That their manager, does he go full strength and risk not beating uh, <laughs> under strength Newcastle? Because that could be the death knell in his uh, job. Or does he go weak and then risk that their reserve team is better than our reserve team? So to me, it's going to be a very interesting game. Unfortunately for me and Mitch, it's on very late with because the clocks went back, haven't they? The clocks went back today, so well, last night for you. Uh, but they didn't. Yeah. So now it's uh, quarter past 11 at the kickoff for me and quarter past midnight for Mitch on Wednesday. But we'll be watching it without a doubt. And whoever he puts on that pitch will all have a point to prove. And whether we'll get beat 4 0 or win 4 0, I'll still support them on Thursday morning. Yeah, I mean, um, players from the academy, Mitch. <laughs> players from the academy, what, what's your thoughts? Look, I, I think Murphy and Mailey will definitely be involved in some way, shape, or form. I think Mailey's injured, Rich. Oh, is he yeah. injured? Uh, no, I think well, he had, he, had, he had glandular fever or something, didn't he? He had some kind of. Ah, he, some... he did, didn't he? I, um, you know, but it, it certainly wouldn't surprise us that if they're available, they'll be at least involved. I think the biggest thing for me yesterday was the lack of substitutions from Eddie Howe. Probably shows what he's thinking is for the next game. He, he seemed to be resistant to bringing Livermento on or Hall or Target, um, which I thought probably in a normal week he would have done. I think it reveals his thoughts for Wednesday night. He didn't want to put someone on in those conditions and find somebody picks up an unnecessary knock when he's got no intention of playing certain players on Wednesday night. Um, let's see if I'm proved right or not, but I think uh, I, I think you'll find um, Livermore will be in that back four. I think Dummett will be. I think Target will be. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Hall put a shift in in midfield. Um, you know, it, it's... He's, he's certainly going to mix it up, whatever he decides to do. And I think the lack of substitutions yesterday is a little insight in where he's going, uh, you know, in terms of thinking of team selection for Wednesday night. Um, and if anybody from the academy is ready and they feel he's ready, he should be, um, we should be happy and comfortable for them to be in the squad. I think you're right about Murphy looking good in, mid, in pre-season. He certainly didn't look out of place. Sometimes when you put a youngster in in a situation like this, they look massively, even in a pre-season friendly, out of place. And he certainly didn't. He looked quite calm and composed on the on the ball as well. So, you know, it, it's good to see we've got all these options going forward. And after that, the players were brought in to that uh, younger structure over the last year. Um, things are starting to look a little healthier on the academy side, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it's something which Newcastle will work on, you know, over the course of time, bringing, bringing players through and signing players, 
they've signed plenty of younger players now, and uh, we will see the, the you know the fruit will will eventually come onto the tree. That that's for certain. So let's look at let's look at the Carabao Cup uh, Wednesday. Um, you know the fact that Eddie Howe didn't make many substitutions, just just the one substitution, bringing Willock on, says a lot. I think you know he's keeping players certainly for that night. I, I think we'll see a bit more of Livramento. I think we'll see a bit more of Hall. Might even see Matt Ritchie. Manchester United uh, losing the Manchester derby today, Stu, uh, by three goals to nil. Uh, didn't just lose it; they were they were absolutely mullered today. To be honest, Man City. I mean, I watched the game. Um, dominated from start to finish. Went through the gears. And um, you know, you know, there's some players there just on um, what you would call Manchester United class. I watched Anthony looking not to get sent off with his stupidity towards the end of the game. It bodes well for Newcastle if Newcastle can go without any more knocks or injuries. Um, I think even that team that started on Saturday could easily beat Manchester United on Wednesday and get through the next round. Um, what, what's your thoughts and where do you think Eddie Howe is Eddie Howe prioritising this competition still? Um, or is he because it's a balancing act at the moment, especially with all these injuries? I think he wants to win every game, there's no doubt about that. And of any competition we're in, this is probably the one we've got the best chance in. But again, then you flick back to the commercial side of it, it's the one that gives you the least amount of money. And these players have, like I said, they've had two heavy games on pitches. Uh, sorry, two, two games on heavy pitches. Some of them will need a rest and, and will need rotating. But I think I still think that, that we'll have a quite a, a strong bench. Um, and I'm going to say something, after being all negative and usually, I'm going to say something positive and now surprising. After the Manchester derby, Richard Key said two things and I agreed with them both. How about that? The first one, I know, the first one that, that came out of his gorilla gloves was that this is the worst Manchester United team he's seen since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. And you can't disagree with that. Uh, the second one he mentioned was having Fernandes as a captain is the worst example of a captain you could ever get. He spits his dummy out. We know he does. He's, his attitude is disgraceful. And that just runs through the team. To be a captain, look at what you've got as a captain. We've got the cells or Trippier, people who will lead by examples, roll the sleeves up. And give everything. He just wants to moan and then do dirty little fouls and complain, point the finger, not take responsibility. So that goes back to what I said earlier. Steve does Ten Hag's got a massive conundrum ahead of him for our game. We go there with a weekend team and get beat. Well, that's it. Uh, for for us, our lot we're happy. Not happy we got beat, but we still got the Champions League. We're far further ahead than where we thought we ever would be. Uh, over the last two years. And then there's less games to play. So then the ones who are complaining about the extra games can't complain because we're not in the next round. But I think we'll go there. And if Ten Hag goes full strength and imagine at half time we're ahead or they're not ahead if it's a draw, imagine the atmosphere on that ground and how their fans will be turning. And that's when Eddie can turn the screw and stop putting on the Brunos and the Gordons, the game changers. And going on what Mitch said there about the lack of substitutions out. And I agree with what he's saying, but also because, unfortunately for us, the vast majority of our injuries have been in forward positions. There wasn't many game changers. The defenders can defend. I know that they've done that for two years with really the best defensive record in the league. So the, those can defend. We needed people to come on and change the game. And that was normally where you'd have a Elliot Anderson coming on 
uh, Willock coming on, and there was only Willock available to, to actually do that. And sometimes you can make change for the sake of making change, and, and that causes a problem. But yes, I've got my 3-1 bet on, but do you want the prediction, my prediction now? Yeah, go on, mate. I think we'll draw and we'll beat them on penalties. And Dubravka will save the penalty, and that'll uh, who used to play for them last season. That's what I think we'll do. We'll go through on penalties. Okay, interesting. Big game this, um, Mitch. Uh, like we always say, it's a big game because it's the next one. But Manchester United mm. away is the reward for Newcastle's uh, uh, defeat of Manchester City in the previous round. But are we hey, playing one, the good? Oh, oh, go on, one thing. There'll be 7,000 Newcastle fans there. 7,000 proper Newcastle fans there singing the hearts out, backing the lads, and they'll make some rackets. And if, like I say, if, if we can get the first goal or, or hold them or frustrate them, their the atmosphere for them will turn very ill, and we would we'll milk that up. So sorry, just thought I'd get that in as well. Okay, yeah. So it's a it's a big opportunity for for Newcastle, you know, uh, to go Absolutely. down there, and, and and I guess it, it comes down to what we did with the what we've done in the past. You know, we've said you know games against the big six in the past. We struggled. We got beat. But, you know, we're beating Man City. Um, this season already is this the season where you can start putting things, putting things, you know, right? And and you know, can we progress? I guess that's what I'm asking. Change of mindset for us as fans, but also as a club as a whole. Um, I think we've shown certain teams too much respect in the not too distant past, and and now I think we're quite happy to to believe that we're there on merit, and we're there not just with a puncher's chance, but with a genuine chance. And I think that's a, that's a big shift in mindset. You want to see another example of what's going wrong at Man United at the minute. Look at how they've handled Jadon Sancho. You know, ostracised away from the team, things being leaked to the press, discussing his mental health in public, being made to eat his lunch in a different building from a packed lunchbox. You know, that, that, that's not leadership. That's bullying. That's pure and simple bullying. You look at how we handled Fraser when Eddie Howe decided Fraser was no longer to be involved with the first team. He was with the under-23s. He was training with the youngins. Not a peep from Fraser or his agent about uh, um, how unhappy he was and that he wasn't being treated right. Not a peep at all. He went off to Southampton with nothing but good things to say. That's management. That's leadership. <laughs> you know, handling a situation with a player um, doesn't necessarily have to mean total animosity, but this is what's happening with their manager and a very highly played, promising young player who's probably now kettled from the, um, the experience. He probably might not ever be the same player again. Um, so we'll go there, you know, seeing how much is wrong, we've got a genuine chance there of very, very, very much upsetting people left, right and centre. And, and if we can do it with a weakened team, <laughs> all the better. Uh, but I think it's just about the mindset, going there, believing we can, and knowing where we've got nothing to fear anymore. And, and as I say, it's not just about having a puncher's chance, it's just being a, having a genuine chance at turning a, 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 a win with a team who... Um, really can't do right for doing wrong at the minute. They seem to be all over the place. And, and there's probably never a better time to try and do something like that with a weakened team in the Carabao Cup. 
yeah. Your prediction for that game then, Mitch? Um, if I'm honest, I think we'll lose. I think we'll get beaten. But we've got to, if we can play like we did against Man City, there's no reason why we can't believe we'll come away with something. Gosh, to see we'll win on penalties at Old Trafford, that would be fantastic. I'd, I'd, <laughs> that would put a big but very late in the night smile on my face. Um, but yeah, I, I, I personally, I personally think we'll lose, but um, it won't be for the lack of trying. Mm. I've got a penalty shootout in my mind. I've got to be honest. I think we'll draw the game. I think it'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be a one-one draw. But I, I can see Newcastle ended up with a penalty shootout. Uh, and and I can see them winning it. So it's a mixed bag. But yeah, I think they'll. I think I'll be happy with that. I'd just be happy to get you know get get through the next round and then hopefully get the look of a draw. Anybody at home after that, and you'd you'd, you'd be you know you'd be over the moon. Before we come back as well, of course, we've got um, we've got the league game as uh, Stu uh, on Saturday. We've got Arsenal um, at home now. Obviously, it's always difficult when you you don't know the situation, um, you know, against Manchester United. We don't know, you know, has there been any more injuries, etc. Um, but yeah, just get your prediction for that game because I already have Mitch's and I already have uh, Steve's from the the pre-recorded Amigo show. So just looking ahead to that game from your perspective, how do you see that going? Kick kick off five thirty on Saturday. Yeah, well, I just had a little smirk there because Mitch said we'd get beaten. Both you and I predicted we'd win on penalties at Old Trafford. And then the reason I was laughing is if that's the case, it's going to be about half two in the morning for Mitch by the time finishes. It's probably why he's wanted it done in 90 minutes. Um, for, but I think they will go to Old Trafford with a high energy, younger players, but on Arsenal will have players that have had time for rest. And, and I think they'll come back with a bit of a point to prove because they may feel hard done to. It's not often that we've been pegged back twice as we were. They've still got to be in the bonnet about losing to Dortmund, you know, the fine margins that we've discussed many times. So I think we'll have Arsenal, and that'll be their main priority. They won't be thinking of games after that, like Dortmund away. They'll just be the sole focus will be on Arsenal. I think we'll take the game to them, and I can see it being 2 2. Desmond again. Okay, great stuff, lads. Uh, pity it wasn't live. We did try. I'll put this out now. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining us. Thanks to you for watching. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so. Uh, I'm Steve Wraith, and that was Mitch and Stu and the professionals. We will be back live next Sunday. Take care. See you, lads. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.